0: Have an Amazon Prime account? You can subscribe to Q Sports Talk on Twitch for free. Twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk. Subscribe now through your Amazon Prime account. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is The Sportszilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1.
1: Because they came to who's House?
0: Or you go to college? Syracuse? Syracuse? That's a basketball school. Let's play some basketball!
2: Rain, man. Good to go. Hey, coach, how are you? I'm good, Rain. I'm good. Thanks for
0: doing this today.
2: No problem. I have an English muff
0: to got one. What's that? No, go ahead. Wait, I'm ready. i uh-huh. uh-huh. This is the Sports Show. Here's Rain and Scooter. Rain and Scooter. Rain and Scooter. Scoot.
2: Scoot. Good afternoon to you, Scoop. Greetings, salutations, and all of that. Tiffson studio with us today. Got a Syracuse game tonight. I'm pretty hyped about that. We're going to touch on some NFL stuff, a few things in the NBA, because I want to talk about Camelo again, even though we did with Jim Beheim yesterday. I actually want to bring you something from the XFL today and uh, an interesting fact to wrap things up before we get you on the block at 4 o'clock with Brent Axe about Major League Baseball and the cheating scandal, but it's a very unique take on this. It's just uh, further proof that keeps trickling out as people are analyzing the last few years of Astros games. It's interesting. I got that locked in for you. Of course, I'm, I don't know what to do with this information about the Giants that I heard in the Syracuse Sports, or in the Syracuse Sports Center from Hashtag Greenberger buddy Seth Goldberg, but I'm kind of glad they did that. They need to make some wholesale changes on that team. Maybe we can bring that back into an NFL discussion in our next segment, but let's just start with the orange. The Dome, first of all, as you know, the renovations are, are on the way. Before you know, I mean, we've got a leap year this year, but we're a handful of days away from eh, eh, nothing else happening there. So if the Cuse is in an NIT game, need a place to play the play the regional games. Syracuse, the Dome, it makes perfect sense. Eh, eh, not this year. It's a little bit different. Of course, we're ha- not happy that they probably are going to end up in the NIT pending. It's just an amazing run in the ACC tournament. But you got to have some options. So the Heim, as you saw, was on with some friends on an ESPN affiliate out in Ra-cha-cha, and uh, talking about that and a few other things, maybe recruiting some bigs down the road in the next couple years, maybe finding a solution next year because we need that. Jesse Edwards is getting a little bit of playing time, but we need more in the middle. He's raw, but boy, is he talented. But you got to beef up a little bit more. And you might lose Elijah Hughes. He's been, of course, considering his options with the NBA. He's only a junior and he's starting to show up maybe in the second round in some mock drafts, but I mean, we still got to get through this year, but there's a lot to think about with the future of Syracuse basketball, but your overall thoughts on some of the news that broke with, with Jim's interview with those guys, uh, foul trouble was another issue that he discussed, uh, you know, the team having as far as, I mean, Barama's the main culprit, but we've had others in that conversation.
1: Well, I think the news that uh, came out of Rochester in the interview that he did over there on Monday, for the most part, is stuff that we had heard before, stuff that you and I have discussed with Coach and others. You know, the foul trouble of the front court there between Dolezal, Sadibe, and Garrier. You know, they average over 10 personal fouls a game. And Coach has said in previous post-game press conferences that, you, you know, they can't get the bad fouls. You know, he wants them to be careful about the bad fouls. And who's listened? Barama has listened. Barama has got better about that. Fouled out with two minutes left in the other game. Uh, but we've had him foul out much earlier in games. So that's an improvement. Obviously, there's not really a whole lot of presence for the orange, uh, inside with, with a big man. You know, that's what we're trying to have Barama step in and do. We're various guys in various roles. Uh, so he knows he needs to maybe recruit somebody there. I don't think that's a big mystery to anybody. I thought it was I thought it was nice though that he put that
2: out there, Scoop. You know, he he took that yeah, on. It, he he didn't deflect to anybody else as far as recruiting, because he's not the only person that's on the road recruiting. Rad coach Rad Autry's out there. Uh, you know, G-Max out there used to be Mike Hopkins. So of course, Jim's the closer. But now, you know, you've got Dior Johnson out there kind of recruiting a little bit too, kind of helping that when somebody like that commits. And we obviously don't know if they change rules, he might not end up here. There's That's a couple of years away. But Jim said, it's on me. The buck stops with me. And that's what a leader does. And yeah, it's something that he's got to address, and he knows that. And I think... We've also addressed issues at the top of the zone with the guards. Maybe the numbers analytically aren't where you necessarily want them to be on on the defensive aspect of this team within the 2-3 zone. So that's also something that they've got to work on. It's not just recruiting players, but the guys on this team in the off season have to get better what were your weaknesses what what's got to happen you got to get a little bit quicker i want them to work on it over the next week well i do too <laughs> i do too maybe even for tonight for the game yeah. against pittsburgh yeah I know we're getting way ahead of ourselves. That's something that Jim never does. Maybe we should just stop right there.
1: Well, I think at, what really came out on Monday was the discussion about maybe playing an NIT game there. Yeah. Because there had been mention of what about Glens Falls? Cool and arena. JG3. That's, that is straight up Joe Girard's
2: town, by the way. the The history with that family and athletics runs deep in that town. It's not just basketball. It's football. I mean, it's generation strong you want to talk about a town that supports the orange and jg3 for that reason jg3 it's 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 almost like it, it's amazing you'll feel like you're in syracuse i think when you're in that building obviously smaller and it's not a dome but well my sense of it
1: is they they've talked about it's, they think it's too far away i think they'd rather go to rochester sure. or go to albany and, and play a game like that. Well, you're looking an hour north of Albany to begin with. If yeah you go to so I, Falls. I, I think they're looking at those two places probably as first choices. Uh, and, and maybe, uh, Jim, talking to the media over there is a little bit of grease in the skids to maybe possibly make that happen if need be well he said they'd love to go out to rochester he
2: said he wouldn't mind that at all and you know what he's from line new york i mean it's out that way anyways maybe that's something a regional thing who knows i i did find it interesting there was recently an article written about joe Girard. i think it was the daily orange that put that out this the student newspaper but they were talking about how you're seeing a lot of syracuse gear in that tiny little town man
1: sure you would he so, i mean he's the He's the pride and joy of that town. And now he's playing with the orange. So makes complete and total sense.
2: Makes complete and total sense. Scoop rain tips in studio with us. You can see us the side of my head. Scoop straight on Q sports talk twitch.tv is where to go to watch. We're going to tell you about some activity. tapping happening there in honor of the game later on tonight, but let's just stop off with this pit game tonight. The one thing you need to know about Pittsburgh is they're not a good shooting team. And if you listened yesterday, Jim was on with us. I think we touched on that briefly, but there's numbers to back this up because there's always some numbers nowadays with analytics. Xavier Johnson and Trey McGowan's; those are the two starting guards for a team that's been on a four-game losing streak, have shot 26% from the floor and 22% from three-point range. That is something that's been a struggle for them all season, though not just within this last four-game losing streak. They're just generally, overall, not a good shooting team. So, of course, Scoop, one of those things that you want to see continue, like tonight, for example, this season, is that trend for Pitt.
1: Yeah, you got to go into Pittsburgh and hope that trend continues. You hope the Orange keeps up that pace with the the fast break points. You hope they start sinking the threes better Mm -hmm. because that whole part of the game, which seemed to be a strength early on in the season – that's waned, that's, that's dropped off. But I do think the Orange have the shooters that, that could get hot and really turn that around in a big way in a couple of games. Well, we've discussed this a,
2: n- a number of times, and so has everybody else that, that's following the team. The trend, especially with the three-point shooting, has slowly been creeping down, creeping down, creeping down. The law of averages would suggest that these guys are going to heat up at some point, specifically Buddy and Joe and Elijah. And you know what? You've got to also mention Marek Dolajai. That's something. Now, that's another guy that we talked about with Jim yesterday, and everybody's noticed how important he is when he plays the way he did against Georgia Tech. First of all, anytime somebody goes 12 for 12 within that game from the free throw line, first of all, that means he's making things happen. But he's rebounding the basketball. He's a good passer He's an energy guy. He's a guy that throws himself on the floor. He's not a big kid, but man is he physical. He takes a beating during games. A heart and soul type of player. You can't say enough good things about him. You get that type of game. You combine that with what we've just discussed with the shooting, the three-point shooting. Elijah just he just always delivers his basically his 20 points a game. We're all right, then. Marek stays out of, or excuse me, Barama does, as we've all discussed, stays out of foul trouble, at least early in the game. It was acceptable that he fouled out against Georgia Tech because there was like a minute left in that game. All right, if you're there for the majority of the game, I suppose they're going to work with you on that. It's still a learning thing, when not to take bad fouls. That's basically where we're at with this team. But this is a game, listen, you got to win. you got to win this game. And this is a team you would expect that they can beat, even with the struggles that Syracuse has had this year, Scoop.
1: I mean, it's that simple. You know, the thing that struck me about the last game was that it really sort of summed up this season for the Orange in those two halves, those two completely different halves. The first half where we were trailing, and it just seemed like, you know, Jim said with us the other day, we just didn't play very good. Yeah, that's right. And then suddenly, in the second half... They turned it on, and and who was a big part of that? JG3 making some key shots to erase that deficit early in the second half. You know, it showed you kind of how good this team can play and how bad this team could play in one game. And so I think, you know, the upside is, hey, look, they could put together a whole game where they're playing more like that second half. They beat
2: anybody. Absolutely right. And, it, and I bring us back to Monday when we had Jerry on, like we do every Monday. And we were talking about the halftime, what happened at halftime, and how it, they became a different team. And, and you would expect, being a fan of Syracuse, knowing Jim, sometimes he lights them up at halftime and some choice words are said. But it wasn't like that. That was not the actual situation that played out at halftime during the last game. Basically, the players took it upon themselves and said, as individuals, we've got to play better. And then guys went around the room and were building up their teammates, teammates, uplifting their teammates, specifically like Elijah Hughes was working the room, working, you know, just pumping up everybody. Come on, Joe. We got this. Come on, buddy. We got this. Come on, Barama. You know, do your thing. Contribute. Quincy, we need you to, to get on the boards and be physical and athletic and play your game. And get those dirty baskets. Just do what you do. Let's play the way we play at Syracuse. And guess what? It worked. There was no speech from the coaches. It, it was just
1: a, it was a it was simple instruction. Yeah, Coach Beheim was saying, "Look, you got to do this, 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 and this. Look in the mirror and, and, and know and, your role." And they went out and they did it. They went out and they executed. They looked at one another and they go, "We're going to do this." And plus, JG three Joe Girard went out there and. And another glimpse of, I think, what we're going to get from this guy down the road. We're going to have more great moments. But that, those key baskets, those key makes early in that second half set the tone. He popped those two threes right he, off the top. He, he kind of put the team on his back. And then that sort of lets everybody else relax, get settled, get into that second half. Takes the pressure off. And own the game.
2: It brought them right back into that game real quick. They'd have to fight back against that 11-point lead with five minutes to go. Jimmy even alluded to that right off the bat, man. You got into the second half, and there you go. You shrunk that lead almost instantaneously. Everybody could relax, and they just settled in. Let's take our first break of the SportsZilla Show. We're going to talk some NFL next. We'll do that on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1.
0: On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. It's the Sportszilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop.
1: The Verdict Ford and Verdict Toyota Basketball Pregame Show. You're going to hear that tonight before the game with Pittsburgh. Seth Goldberg and Danny Shays prior to the game. And they'll size things up for you—the Burdick Ford and Burdick Toyota basketball pregame show tonight.
2: Scoop, we talked about uh, Tony Grossi, is with ESPN Cleveland, and uh, it made national news. Also, he... uh,
1: for years, has been a writer for the newspapers up
2: there. Yeah, uh, but it made national news. He was suspended indefinitely, basically, because he slurred Baker Mayfield, who had—I mean, he had, a, he had a sophomore slump season last year, and he's either going to turn a corner and he's going to improve on that, or he's probably going to regress. I actually sent you an article on that. I, I read it. I'm ready to talk about that if you want to get into that. Good, because that's uh, I read it too, obviously, before I had sent it to you last night, and uh, wanted to bring this to the table, but I wanted to get an honest reaction. So uh, what do you got for me? Because I know you have some thoughts on this, and it was just pretty crappy what he said about him. Let's just be honest. Well, yeah. and it was he, a- used, he used some terminology that just... It's not part of the 2020 landscape.
1: He he swore. He threw a slur out there, and you know didn't realize the microphones were on. Yeah, some name calling, which uh, just very odd in that he had just been criticizing Baker Mayfield. Saying, it was it was ironic to say the least. Yeah, saying that he needs to grow up, and then he acted like a, a child, like a little a brat. But that is how this guy behaves. And obviously, you can tell he's got a vendetta against Baker Mayfield. And I don't know if you know the backstory, but he was against the Browns drafting Baker Mayfield. He's one of these guys that has a lot invested in being right with regards to what he says on the radio and what he says that he writes in the paper he cares probably a little too much about being right. So when he's not necessarily right, he's just looking for the first opportunity to, to jab you. And he's been jabbing at Baker and his real feelings came out. He didn't realize the whole world heard it, but now he's been suspended indefinitely for uh, an F bomb and a slur. And, uh, I was just shocked when I read it yesterday. Um, It literally unfolded as we were on the air, you know, maybe a few minutes before. Uh, But, you know, Baker Mayfield has regressed this past year. The the numbers don't lie. You, You can't tell any other story. But what the numbers don't tell you is how Baker Mayfield was saddled with some really poor coaching and a really poor offensive line. Worst coaching this year there's some there. coaching uh of the, the worse offensive line it just they had Nick Chubb and sometimes just didn't seem to know how to lean on the guy how to, to kill use clock and they, and they didn't let Baker settle in they didn't know how to
2: use him they didn't know how to use Odell Beckham jr because they had garbage coaching because Freddie Kitchens had no business being an NFL head coach at all Baker Mayfield though There's, it wasn't, you know, people were worried about it being a Johnny Manziel type of thing. I don't think his character is that of Johnny Manziel, who's obviously trying to redeem himself and and clean up his life. But you're talking about a number one overall pick here. There's something that they saw in Baker Mayfield. They've just got to work with it and bring it out of him. I think that there is ability there. I think and I hope that he rises above this because a lot of the peripheral circumstances surrounding him are going to change. And don't forget, He's young. You would hope that he matures a little bit as as a man, and that'll help him going forward.
1: I'm, I'm hearing he's looking leaner yeah. and in better shape. You know, one of the things the numbers don't overtly show, is kind of, there was a lot of passes. I mean, I can think of seven or eight right off the bat that were interceptions that were the results of the wide receivers. where they batted the balls to the de- defense or... I know there was a, a, a pick on the goal line uh, that that should have been a touchdown, but it, it was kind of the receiver's fault. You know, you, you take some of those and turn them the other way, and he's no longer under 60% for his completion average. And, and then sort of that whole narrative that's in that article now on The Athletic about how his numbers regressed, he's not under 60, which is supposedly this plateau. It's like, ooh, bad sign if you... Drop under sixty. Yeah, it was a fifty nine point something percent. I, I think he was. I think he was at fifty eight something. I'm not sure. And but. he was at sixty four. And he, he
2: over delivered in his rookie season. He he was he was beyond your expectations, even for a hyped number one draft pick, a rookie quarterback. And, he he exceeded anything they possibly could have expected.
1: You know. And, and look, this is a team that beat the Baltimore Ravens yeah. and also lost to the Baltimore Ravens, playing some pretty good defenses in that division twice a year between the Ravens and the Steelers. you know, So that has a little to do with, you, with what your offensive numbers are. And I just don't think the offensive line was nearly as good this year as they were the previous year. So I do think there are some things in there that kind of make it look worse than it really is for him. But it's up to Baker Mayfield to turn the corner on that and be a better player and – you know, they talked made a lot in that article about you know the wide receivers not uh, not enough time with the receivers in mini camp, you know, and maybe OBJ was injured more than we really know or yeah, realize. He was
2: banged up a little bit more than anybody realized last year. I, I'm just I just want to see how this develops. I want to see that franchise have the year this upcoming season that I expected out of them last year. Because there is some talent on this roster, I think more so than you can say clearly with what one or two wins a a season a couple of years ago. There's a lot better players overall on both sides of the ball than there has been in years.
1: Of course, they've still got some work to do. And with regards to Tony Grossi, the reporter who's now in trouble and suspended indefinitely, this is a guy who is in love with the sound of his own opinion. Always has been. His fans go, well, he tells it like it is, and, you know, he doesn't suck up to the franchise. I roll my eyes. Um, Okay. But at the same time, in doing that, he's in love with the sound of his own opinion. And as I said earlier, he cares too much about being right. And that's why it, it burns him that Baker has done better than he said he would. He said they should have never drafted him. Well, he had a great first year. And with some help and a few plays going the other way, last year doesn't look so bad. They expect
2: a big change this upcoming season. I think they're going to improve. It is the Sports Show ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1 and viewable at Talk on Twitch.tv. Talking NFL, and you hear that they might drop pass interference challenges since they're so useless. I just wanted to put this out there. So offic- the official standard for overturning interference calls changed several times during the course of the season last year. Only 24 of 101 reviews were reversed. First of all, they need to determine what it is. It's a subjective call, and it either, this is, this isn't, clearly define it, or you're going to continue to have these problems. But it it, it does seem a waste of time during the games, because ultimately, you see it flagged, they go to replay, and we're sitting there as fans, and you know, you're like, nothing's going to happen. No matter what your opinion, no matter how clear it is, they don't reverse these calls. It's frustrating. Officiating, in general, has to improve. It's not just with pass interference. In general, they have to clearly define what some of this stuff is. Even the XFL has improved on some of these issues that the NFL needs to adopt. I'm telling you right now, it's a problem. Clearly, I'm I'm stating the blatantly obvious.
1: It's been bad for too long now, and it's got to be fixed. Nobody had these conversations about what was a catch and what wasn't a catch in 1975. Yeah, you know I mean, now it's a top of a topic of conversation every week. Officiating is uh, probably more on the minds of fans than it ever has been. It's gotten worse, not better. And now you have the XFL showing all this transparency with regards to how they make these decisions it makes the NFL look bad. Scoop, let me give you a couple more numbers. 28 percent of challenges concerning
2: uncalled pass interference were successful last year and coaches were only able to get their way 11 percent of the time when trying to get a penalty reversed. So it, it's it's pointless. It's just pointless to continue this.
1: I also think it's very interesting how you've got guys like Richard Sherman and Russell Wilson now saying, hey I'm not okay with this new collective bargaining agreement. I'm glad you I don't that like up. it. I don't like it. And there are some things in there for the the guys who are lower on the roster, but some of the the big money guys aren't sure, is, is what I seem to be detecting. And it just feels to me like the league is trying to rush this through, which leaves me suspicious, and I'm sure those guys,
2: too. What's the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks' name? Russell Wilson, right? He tweeted last night that he right now is a no on this to to give you another big name in the NFL. There's a lot of guys feeling that way. J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt said a hard no, a hard pass on it for him. Team owners, they had voted to approve the collective bargaining agreement. Uh The proposals increase in games up to 17 cap on uh, revenue sharing. Things like that have split the players, delayed the vote. However, Dan Graziano says and I'll I'll leave you with this before we get to our break. The CBL, CBA helps players, so he thinks ultimately it's going to pass. It helps the bottom of the roster guys. Something we had discussed yesterday, but here's another opinion or observation on it.
1: When you look into this deal, you know, it, it's it's going to help probably the majority of players in the short term. We look at something like minimum salary raises of 90 to 100,000 a year. You're talking about guys that are making 5 or 600,000. If they vote yes, that goes to 6 or 700,000. That's probably going to be pretty strong incentive for them to vote yes. And you're looking at a league where 60-65% of the players are operating on minimum salary deals. So if people vote their own self-interest, uh, I would think this has a really strong chance of passing. It's it's
2: something to consider. They had the uh, executive committee, and they had a big meeting, obviously, the Combine's going on, but they had a big meeting on this. I think it was just yesterday. So we'll find out what happens. I don't know if guys are going to look out for other guys or think about themselves. I do know one thing. They need to take care of players after they retire, especially guys that don't necessarily get vested in their careers are short.
1: We've got all these other leagues and other professional sports situations where money is guaranteed, And it doesn't seem to me that's been addressed more money for more of these games and maybe some more guys on the rosters. Yeah, that's good. But is that a little carrot that the league is dangling so that the players association doesn't start having that conversation about guaranteed money? This is a huge bazillion dollar industry. It's bigger than it's bigger than billions, you know? Uh, it's at least a billion, you know? I there, There's so much money here, and I think the owners are playing a little shell game here and hiding a bunch of it from the players. Carmelo Anthony faced Zion, Williams,
2: Zion Williamson not too long ago. Zion and LeBron played last night. Did LeBron go to Kobe's memorial? We can talk about all those guys and some NBA next on the Sports Illustrated Show,
0: ESPN Radio
2: 97.7 and 100.1.
0: On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop.
2: So obviously the Kobe Bryant Memorial was yesterday, but a lighthearted story from LL Cool J about Kobe at one point wanting to do some gangster rap and LL Cool J, because ladies love Cool James, you know this, right? basically talking them out of it. Let me share this for you.
0: We talked about rap, played me this album, this gangsta rap album. I was like, Kobe, I said, come on, dog. That's not what you need to be doing, man. <laughs> I was confused. I was sitting there like, what, what, what are we doing? I, don't know, yo. I said, you got endorsements? You got What are you doing? That had to be the funniest moment of my life, listening to him do gangsta rap. Kobe, y'all know me. Put them hands up. Miss Tyra, on fire. I know he performed KOBE at the All-Star Game with Tyra Banks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to pretend like we wasn't laughing. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. The world was laughing. Dude. That was not. But, you know, he took a shot.
1: <laughs> I guess we're not all perfect human beings after all. LL Cool J. I don't know if it's online. I'm Now I want to go find it. But him on Saturday Night Live back in the day when it was I'm Bad. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, and he came out, did two songs. That was so different than anything that was a part of the published public consciousness at that time. It was, it was groundbreaking.
2: we have got to bring Drake into the conversation of the NBA because, as you know, the WWE gives a championship belt to the champion of really every sport. It's just a thing that they do. So the Toronto Raptors got one last year, and as we know, Drake is the most annoying fan, a bandwagoned fan, really, and anybody he associates himself with up until Toronto Raptors, because of Kawhi, won the NBA championship last year. He's a nuisance. He's annoying. He's a pain in the you-know-what. It just People people just don't want to watch NBA, and he makes it about himself. He's the ultimate narcissist. He needs attention. I'm not talking smack about this guy. He proves it himself all the time. Okay? And you know what I'm talking about. Tiff's in studio with Scoop and myself. This is Rain. Well, needless to say, so... They're playing the Bucks, and the Bucks, if you pay attention to their social media with Giannis and everybody, they do these little WWE routines. You've seen this online.
1: The the teammates, uh, they do almost like mock wrestling stuff, and it's fun. It's a cool thing on Twitter and social media. So, of course, Drake has to bring a WWE championship belt with
2: him, and he was trolling Giannis. Say his last name for me, Scoop. Antetokounmpo. And ultimately, it led to Giannis telling him in no uncertain terms to bleep GFY himself or to bleep off, which (laughs) I have to assume, and it's been circulating around on social media, made a lot of people smile, not just me, because I would like to also say that to Drake. I really would, because I just don't get it. Tiff, what were your reactions? Because when I mentioned this earlier, you were nodding your head and smiling and laughing, so I want to know what your impressions of it were when you saw it.
3: I mean, he's not the first player to have said something to Drake. Uh, he should, Drake should know by now that he's not wanted. This type of attention on the sidelines is not wanted. They want to go out and play their game and he should stay to his music because they're not going to his concerts and trolling him. But he's coming to their employment and trolling. It, it makes no sense to me. And Russell Westbrook got in on it and like everybody is just commenting. Like it's not, it's not wanted or needed.
2: At it, all. It's just terrible. He, he just—can you imagine that, though? You, tell me, what do you think that Drake would do if a whole bunch of NBA players that he talks smack to during the course of games went to one of his concerts, bought out the front row, and just messed with him the entire time? What would he do? What would his response be?
3: He would cry on social media like a little baby about it because that's exactly what—like when he opened um, when he was the closer for Tyler the Creator's concert and yeah. they booed him off stage. Uh-huh. He, they never. He never has stopped uh, crying about it. So, they, he would cry all about it, and I would love to. I would, I would pay for one of those seats, and I would go and troll with them because. Mm-mm.
1: And who walks in with uh, a WWE belt like that? I mean, you walk out the front door with a WWE belt, you get in the car like that, just looks ridiculous. You are not Triple H or. Rick Flair, who made an appearance by the way at the, the Lakers game. And did right? the introduction. I did see that. Woo, you know, that was good stuff. But Drake, rubbing the coach's shoulders, you know. Look, if that was you or me doing that, we get a handcuff escort out the building. That's mm-hmm. absolutely right. That and that's the
2: thing. Like it's like Drake, you're a massive celebrity, especially in the six in Toronto. You don't need to do that. You don't need attention. But he does need attention. That's the problem. He needs attention. I don't know why he needs that kind of attention, but he's he lacks self-awareness, and he can't tell that it's negative self-attention. Can I just share, by the way, Giannis's response to this whole nonsense of Drake bringing— Can he
1: speak afterwards about it?
2: Giannis, uh, this is a quick comment from Giannis in regards to Drake showing up to troll him— with okay. said WWE belt. Oh, that's good. I'm,
0: he cares about me. I, I really don't. So I'm just here to win games and, um, help my team, with, you know, help my team win. That's, that's all. But so he cares about
2: me. Basically, I don't really care about him is ultimately what Giannis said. Giannis I love is,
1: it. Giannis is focused. On the job at hand. I don't get time for your childish nonsense, Drake. Drake is a spectator at a basketball game who, unlike the rest of us who might go to the the Carrier Dome, uh, we don't have to insert ourselves into the ongoing drama of the game by running up and giving Coach Bayheim a shoulder massage. Or by jawing at, you know, Coach K and and making sure everybody sees where we sit right down close. you Come on, dude. It's just
2: silly. Well, we uh, we carried on that conversation a little bit longer than I wanted to. There's a couple other things NBA-related about Zion that I want to bring to your attention. If I have some time, uh, an amazing number and stat about Clayton Kershaw, and I'll share that next. Let's take a quick break. The sports Illustrated Show ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1.
0: And 100.1. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop.
1: It is a UNC watch party. The SU game on Saturday. Q Sports Talk on Twitch. That's what you want to watch Saturday. We're going to take the watch party on the road live from the Pathfinder Bank broadcast booth at Shaughnessy's Irish Pub in the Marriott Syracuse downtown. As you watch the game on TV or listen on TK99, Join the watch party with Syracuse legends Eric Devendorf, Trevor Cooney, and Roosevelt Bowie and get their instant reactions to the game. Funny stuff. The Syracuse watch party, the UNC game, live from the Pathfinder Bank broadcast booth at Shaughnessy's Irish Pub in the Marriott Syracuse downtown Saturday on twitch.tv slash Talk. So they're shutting down Giancarlo Stanton just announced for the Yankees fans
2: out there a grade one calf strain. Shocking no one because he's slightly brittle. Was he expected to be back by the regular season? Is that what the report said, Scoop? Uh, they're saying no. He's probably not available for the beginning of the season. He's got to shut it down for a couple of weeks and then start his spring training all over again, which means he'll probably get another one, and we'll see him in August. That's my expectations. They did all right without him for all but 18 games last year. And the 27, 2017 World Series Dodgers-Astros, an amazing stat from Major League Baseball Network, where Tom Verducci was on the other day, and he had pointed out they analyzed Clayton Kershaw's start, one of his starts in that game. He threw 51 sliders and curveballs in a game against the Astros in the World Series. Take
1: a guess how many swings and misses he had. He threw 51 sliders and curveballs. You're asking about those particular pitches? Correct. Uh This is Clayton Kershaw, who has wicked
2: stuff. I don't know zero, so they knew they didn't want to go for that zero. It, so it, it's just further proof that they were letting, that they were letting each other know what was on the way. If you know the slider and the curveball is coming. You're not going to swing and miss it. You know He's got nasty stuff and they want the fastball and drive yeah. it out of the park. Basically just blatantly showing how bad they were cheating because it's never going to happen. If Clayton Kershaw throws 51 curveballs and sliders within the course of a game, any game, you're going to get a significant number of swings and misses because his yeah, stuff. You
1: would, you would think it, it's going to fool somebody, but it was like they knew. Yeah, absolutely. I'm
2: following you now. Okay. So, uh, let's switch though. So a couple things I wanted to touch on before we get out of here for the day. NBA related. I don't want to bury the lead and what I had mentioned earlier here on the Sports show. But the hype about Zion, a lot of people are chiming in and saying it's real. It's really real. Zion, regarding facing LeBron, first of all,
0: it's one of those things where it's
2: after the game, where it's like, all right, like you know, I played against him, like dude, you know, you've been watching on TV for a long time. So yeah, you, I think everybody has those kind of moments, uh, depending on who they watch growing up. Um, but just to kind of bounce from team to team and you know, seeing the different players and you know, even people I played with in college, I played against, uh, it's always great. I think he was like two or three years old when. LeBron started his career.
1: It's very interesting that you know a lot of teams and and case in point, the Pelicans, they wanted to not allow LeBron to get those points in the paint inside yet then he burns you from the outside. He made five threes last night and this season, when LeBron hits four or more threes, Lakers are 13 and0. If you go back to 2010 since he joined the Miami Heat, his teams are fifty nine and twelve when he makes at least four threes, and one of those threes of those five last night, he was it was right there with Zion, you know. Like, but so he was taking what they were giving him for the most part. Yeah, they, a
2: lot of people have said. Uh, Tim Legler said LeBron played with something to prove the student ha- hasn't passed the teacher yet, but eventually it's going to happen. The hype is real. Jay Williams says straight up. Zion special
0: Zion Williamson as humble as he is he's not afraid now John Moran isn't afraid either but I think what we're seeing from Zion Williamson is so next level greeny I mean think about last night he did not have the ball in his hands multiple possessions last night being an isolated player Mm. by going get you 25 I mean he got that mostly off dunks and rim rums and he had he almost had a double double right but what he's averaging and his shooting percentage from the floor is so off the charts I don't know how you don't think this is something special
2: Wait till he has more time and really develops his game. Of course, you did see Carmelo take him to school the other night and then turn around and pop in 32 against Detroit. But bottom line is Zion's the real deal, and he'll get there. But don't sleep on the class of 2003 with a couple of our favorites.
1: The funny thing is you hear all this gushing about him, and I'm not disputing the fact that he's going to be great. But he lost to LeBron. Carmelo and the Blazers—they got him. Yeah, they did.
2: They did. We got to take a, our final break and get ready to get you on the block with Brent Axe. That's next. The Sports Hill Show back tomorrow at three. ESPN Radio ninety-seven point seven and one hundred point one.